Freddie Stat Go is a completely fan-produced show of the fan-controlled sports and entertainment network. The first ever open-source professional sports league controlled entirely by you, the fans. Now, it's time for the show. Welcome, welcome, and a third one. Welcome back to the Freddy Stat Go podcast. I am Kyle Stathead Sheridan with, as always, the co-hostess with the co-mostess, the dude with the biggest brain, many wrinkles, so many thoughts, Freddy Airmail. Freddy, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Kyle? You know, I'm feeling sugary, spicy, and overall nice E. We have an amazing show today for you all. Of course, we always got the Fred lines, but we're going to be continuing part two, if you will, of our NFL QB rankings after the 2022 season. But before we get jumping into that and getting all excited... Ring, 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 ring. Whoa, I think the Freddy lines are going off the hook. Let's hop over there and see what it's got to say. There are, and the first Fred line that we've got is the madness. The March madness that we covered in our last episode. If you haven't listened to that yet, go and check that out wherever you're listening to this episode. But um, what can I say? Uh, We said we wouldn't have perfect brackets by this point, and... I know I was right about mine. Uh, how are your brackets looking right now, Kyle? I Shambles. Um, <laughs> 27% accurate. Uh, shambles. Mm. Um, yeah. Happy. I, 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 I'm actually be- below 30% on men and women's. It's been madness everywhere. If I, if I pull up my ESPN uh, bracket listing... Um, I filled out three brackets on ESPN this year. I, I also did three on uh, the NCAA has their own thing now, and three on CBS. And I also submitted one to my dad, who runs his own thing. So I have I had ten different brackets in the running this year. Um, I'm not going to go digging for all of them, but one of my brackets on ESPN, the bracket that I submitted to the most groups this year, is in the 11th percentile. Of brackets on ESPN, um, and it does not have really all. The, it it has very little uh, room to earn me points at this point. Uh, seven of my elite eight teams are all out. The only team that I have left to do anything is Alabama, who I have making the championship game and finishing as national runners up. Uh, so that's where that is. Um, we have no perfect brackets remaining uh, in in either the men's or the women's tournaments at this point. The last women's perfect bracket fell last night when Stanford was upset uh, by Ole Miss. Uh, I, th- I think my women's bracket is still looking decent, but uh, I think I think there's less room for error in, in that pool. Both of my championship, my final fours, I'm only missing one. So I I could still be right, you yeah. know, about who wins the whole thing. So yes, yeah. One of my one of my brackets uh, still has uh, three of the final four, and it still has the champion in UCLA. It actually has the opposite of what I was uh, just describing. 
in terms of the final four, um, on the one that I mentioned that was doing really badly, I have only my national runner-up left. Uh, in this bracket, my national runner-up pick was Duke, and they are the only team I have lost out of my final four in the, on that one. Um, so yeah, I, I hope you listeners of ours are still uh, enjoying the madness, even if you're not doing well in your bracket, or even if you're still doing well at this point, I hope you still take the time to enjoy the games regardless of what it means for your picks. I, I hope you're still enjoying some of the big upsets that we've had yeah. this year, and there there should be more to come. But uh, Fairleigh Dickinson University becoming the second 16 seed ever to win a round of 64 game when they took out, took down Purdue. Uh, uh, after you, Princeton's been a team that run. Princeton made it to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed, only the third team to do so ever. I want to say. Yeah, I think I saw a numbers of like since 2021. Three fifteen seeds have made it to the sixteenth seed, but prior prior to that, it was. I don't think it's happened. There's something along those lines of like before 2021, mm-hmm. only one team did it, and then every year since 2021, the fifteenth seed has made it to the Sweet Sixteen. Which yeah, I, good on them. Mm-hmm. And I I could hypothesize why that is. Um, I don't feel like, you know, I can be totally sure. And it's probably not always the same reason for everyone. Um, I think maybe it just comes down to social media uh, giving these 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 players a little bit more of a window into how underestimated they are. And you'd, you'd hope for the most part that they're, they're able to tune that out and they're not listening to what uh, people are saying about them. Um, but you know, maybe maybe for some of them, it it works as bulletin board. Uh, it could be a lot of different things, and I don't want to necessarily say that it's always the same thing for everyone. Um, next Fred line I want to talk about is in the XFL. Woo. We are now halfway through the regular season, and through five games, the Orlando Guardians, our favorite team to complain about on this show, it seems, yeah. are zero and five now. Um, and they now have four quarterbacks on their roster. And it, it would appear that uh, the quarterback that I had written off the most on that roster may be their guy going forward. Uh, they started Paxton Lynch in this most recent game, and they took him out fairly quickly. DeAndre Francois did not even make the plane ride to Vegas, the team that they, they, they took on Vegas this past week. They had Quentin Flowers, another former FCF quarterback in there for a couple plays. And I believe he scored a rushing touchdown for them. But the surprise of the night was their fourth quarterback, Quentin Dormady, who uh, has been cleared of all the accusations against him that he had uh, leaked plays to other teams. It seems that they at least, uh, the XFL, they they did an investigation and it seems that they couldn't substantiate the claims against him. And so he's been uh, reactivated to the team. He's been reinstated, and they had him active this week, and uh, he put on a show. Yeah, no kidding. Let me me pull up the stats from this game just to make sure I get it right. This game is like the best we've seen the Guardians so far. Yeah, they they lost, but it was a 35-32 score. 
which doubled their previous best scoring total from the season. They had previously only scored as high as 16 points. Um, but Dormady got in there, and he gave them uh, 22 for 25 passing uh, with 256 yards and two touchdown passes. Uh, and the Guardians almost got it together. They couldn't quite beat the, the Vipers. Um, but I think it's at least a good sign. Um, you know, it is the first week of them getting Dormady back from his suspension or inactivity or whatever whatever we should be calling it. And he's, he's still getting back into things. And uh, even though the Vipers are the next worst team in terms of record, uh, I wouldn't count the Guardians out at this point if, uh, if they can get things together on offense. I think that's really been the problem for them. Is uh, Jamil hurt? Um, Jamil has not been active for the last couple of games. I'm not sure mm. why that is, what his status is. Uh, I saw him, I thought I saw him on the sideline of this last game uh, in, a, in a Guardians hoodie. So he was there, he wasn't going to play. But uh, that is different from DeAndre Francois not even making the trip out. Yeah, so um, Something's going on over there. Something's up there. Um, they're making changes, and the changes, at least in some ways, seem to be pointing them in a better direction than they had been headed. Um, they, they still made some mistakes that ended up losing them this game, but um, we'll see where that goes for them. Um, they, they still have a few more games in their division, and I think some of those are winnable games. Uh, the Brahmas, for example, played last night and just did not have a good offense. They seem to be going in the wrong direction. Um, the Renegades, their their opponent, who beat them 12-10 to 10 last night, uh, are winning a lot of close games against uh, not-so-great competition. Um, and so what I want to see from the Renegades is is that by design, and can they keep winning when they are playing close games? Can they keep doing that against uh, the top teams in the league? Um, or is it more that they're just getting lucky? And I think we'll see here soon. Um, the last thing I wanted to get to, though, comes to us from the Indoor Football League. Uh, a couple weeks ago, or maybe more than a couple weeks ago now at this point, uh, we did an episode on some indoor and arena football leagues. The Champions Indoor Football League has been underway for a few weeks now. Uh, I actually have a game tonight, Monday night. The Outlaws in the Tropics are playing. Um, but this past weekend, the Indoor Football League, the IFL, kicked off its first week with a couple games. The Arizona Rattlers beat the uh, defending league runners-up Quad City Steamwheelers by a score of 60-53. to 53. And the Frisco Fighters put on a show in Green Bay, beating the Blizzard 76-30. to 30. And the star, of the, the star of the Fighters' offense this week was 
one former FCF quarterback, TJ oh, yeah. Edwards, uh, who at this point is now the only quarterback on their roster, or on their active roster at least. They have uh, released Alfonso Howard, so uh, it's the TJ Edwards show, and he he did show out uh, with a with a total of seven touchdowns on the night. Six of them on the ground. Uh, so ain't no complaints there. No, no. Shout out to TJ. Let me bring up his full stat line. Uh, 139 passing yards on a 14 for 20 completion with one touchdown pass. 78 rushing yards on 14 rushing attempts. Six of those going for touchdowns as well. And of course, he he led the offense to 76 points in total. Um, and the Blizzard just uh, didn't seem to keep up on either side of the ball. But uh, it's good to see, you know, oh, guys from FCF doing stuff. It's a phenomenal feeling when you look at guys that you cheered for in your league and they're out here doing their mm-hmm. thing in other leagues. That's why I like with the XFL, with, you know, if we see any in like the CFL or the NFL, like ultimately we just want to see them do their thing. Like when Jamil caught yeah. that touchdown, the XFL, that was a good feeling. You know, mm-hmm. when, even when uh, Bryce and Eileen got like a 10 right. yard gain, 10 yards, but I still look at it and I'm like, hell yeah. Even when he, he actually had a touchdown, I think this past week for the Roughnecks that was called back uh, for someone else's penalty. Yeah. I think it might have been a but he he got into the end zone and just and he did a backflip, and you could tell it it really meant something to him. And uh, even though it it didn't count, and the Roughnecks ultimately lost that game, their first in either season of XFL play. Um, it's still cool to see that that he's getting that chance, and that he's making the most of it, and he's excited to be there. I mean. I, th- I think if I were out there and I did that, I'd do a backflip if I could. Um, but I am I am a far away from being able to do a backflip like that. Um, also, shout out, uh, I was just reading an ESPN article about the, the LFA, the Mexican League that we talked about a bit last week. Yep, go Dinos. And they, they had quite a bit of focus on Terrence Williams. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not playing for the Galgos. And uh, it was it was an article about uh, the league's increased focus on bringing in American talent for their teams, and some teams are uh, using that to their advantage more than others are. Uh, and some of them are being uh, scrutinized for some of their choices in the players that they brought in. But um, and I can't say it's it's totally great, but they are building towards something, and. Sometimes you just have to, uh, you know, stoke the flame a little bit before you can get a fire that, uh, oh, yeah. that sustains itself. And so I, I, think that's, I think that's what they're doing. I have a little bit of a theory, and um, I won't dive too much into it. But I watched a documentary called "The Redeem Team." It's about the '08 men's basketball uh, Olympics, right? Mm. And they go into how before nineteen. 19- before the dream team, right? Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Charles Barkley, all that. Uh, a lot of the Olympic teams had predominantly been college players. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. then the NBA was like, well, we got players. And once they introduced NBA players, the entire game changed because other yeah. teams had to you know, compensate for these American players where basketball is played heavily. And mm-hmm. they got better. And the reason why we sucked in 04 was we thought we were still better than them. And I think football is on a similar trajectory. I think the one, I still think it should be an Olympic sport, but I also think that we are, you get more and more American players all over the place. You get more and more countries that want to play football. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately what it's going to do, I think we're going to have either the European league of football is going to get bigger or we're going to have another world football league or the NFL is just going to inherit a lot of these world teams. And it's basically going to be a global sport. And once that happens, I think it should be an Olympic sport, but I also think we're going to see a lot of non-American players shine. And I think we're going to see a lot of American players shine in other countries. I mean, hell, the NFL Academy just played the Unicorns. Uh, I forget where from. Yeah. Uh, And they won, but the Unicorns are a great team. Oh, yeah. They won, like, back-to-back championships in their league. So I think, really, it's turning into this ironing, iron-sharpening-iron kind of thing. I love it. I want to I wanna see more global players get better and better at the game. And I want to see, you know, uh, American players not take the sport for granted and not take their status as, you know, you know, this is, this is what we do for granted. Um even like against the CFL, I don't think any player should think they're above playing in Canada or Mexico or any other place. Um, I think they should, you know, if that's a thing that they can do, do it. I mean, one of yeah. the best receivers I know plays over in Canada, and that's I think Lucky Johnson. I think I know his first. Lucky Jackson. Uh, Lucky, well, Lucky Jackson is in uh, the XFL, but Lucky Whitehead. Lucky Whitehead, thank you. I knew it was yeah. lucky. Lucky Whitehead, phenomenal wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, played for the NFL for like a little bit, bloomed and blossomed and balled out in the CFL. Sometimes yeah. you got to go somewhere else to get better. Yeah. And he's he's a champion now. You can't say he isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, go ahead. With that, with that. Uh... It's time to talk about some guys who do not have to go to Canada or Mexico or Japan or Europe or anywhere else to show out. They have shown out uh, in the U.S. in the top level of American football play, the NFL. Uh, As Kyle said at the beginning of the show, we are continuing uh, what became a three-part series on uh, NFL quarterbacks and how they performed in the 2022 season and uh, how we rank them and how we assess how they played this past year. Um, on the first show, we ended up covering the uh, 11 quarterbacks that are at the bottom of my ranking. Uh, the, the They were 11 quarterbacks who were the best quarterbacks for their team, but just didn't stack up against the rest. Some of them by uh, quite large margins were just not good. Um Today, we're going to be talking about the next 10, and we'll also be getting into some of the better quarterbacks who were not the best quarterbacks for their teams 
according to my rankings, but we're still pretty damn good. Uh, before we get to that, however, I do want to apologize, let's say, uh, or at least issue in a, cor uh, a correction on how some of these quarterbacks were ranked in that first episode. Uh, as it turned out, um, I was... I went back to, uh, I think it was pro football reference. I wanted to see how uh, one of the quarterbacks who is, is not going to be mentioned too much in this series, Jordan Love, I wanted to see how he did on a game-by-game -game basis for the Green Bay Packers this year. And it turned out that the total stats that I had uh, tabulated for him were not accurate to the official stats that he put up in 2022. And so I went back and I uh, reviewed the stat totals for not just him, but for everyone that I had uh, stats on, everyone who accumulated stats this year. And it turned out that for some of them, I was off by quite a bit. You know, I, I add up these stat totals from the box scores that are available right after the game, and sometimes those are uh, revised after the fact, and uh, the totals change from what you see if you check right after the game. I think that's at least part of it. I don't want to say that it's not necessarily that I just messed up on a couple of them. I think that's that's totally possible. But uh, it did change around how some of these quarterbacks are ranked on my list. Uh, for example, Taylor Heineke, who was near the bottom of my uh, list last time, actually fell below Kenny Pickett. They switched places. And one quarterback that I talked about in the last show uh, Marcus Mariota, if I had gotten his stats right from the start, he would be in this part too. And we would have uh, one of the guys that I'm about to talk about would have been at the very end of that first episode. And, uh, you know, I strive to get uh, not just good stat insight for you guys, for you listeners. I also strive to be accurate. And um, I, I know it's not exactly a huge deal that I was wrong about that, but... I did want to mention it, and I did want to uh, apologize. And uh, with that, let's get into it. I don't apologize. My list is my own. If you don't agree with it, that sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry that you feel that way. <laughs> this, this list is based on my strict opinion, my how I feel. This is a feelings list. And uh, dear listener, you don't have to like my feelings or my opinion, but it is what it is. Is the, is it logical? Does it make sense? To me, it does. To everyone else, maybe not. Well, I feel <laughs> that before we get into the uh, next 10 quarterbacks who are in this ratings or in this ranking proper, uh, I do want to shout out at least a couple guys who did pretty well this year. They... Uh, ended up being not the best quarterbacks listed for the teams that I have them on or that they were on, you know. Um, but the two main ones that I want to spotlight before we get into those next ten, uh, one of them is Matthew Stafford, who played on, uh, he was the reigning Super Bowl champion quarterback going into this season and clearly did not live up to uh, that same degree of play in 2022. But he still is one of two quarterbacks who put up at least 2,000 yards passing while uh, not being the best quarterback that I have listed. I have I, I 
did Baker Mayfield for the Rams uh, in my ranking, but Stafford still had 2,087 passing yards uh, on a 68% completion. 10 touchdowns and 8 interceptions is not great. Um, but the, the team, the, the, the Los Angeles Rams as a whole, were just down this year. Uh, and another guy that I want to mention, and this kind of gives away who is coming from the San Francisco 49ers in the ranking proper, uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo almost certainly would have been in my top 10 if he continued at the pace he was playing and just finished out the season. Uh, but he was hurt 11 games in, only put up 2,437 passing yards on a 67% completion, 16 touchdowns, and four interceptions. Uh, had, it was having a great season and uh, got hurt, gave way to uh, someone else that we're going to get to at some point in this series still, who had a pretty good season himself. Uh, Kyle, do you want to mention anyone else as an honorable mention before we get into uh, the next quarterbacks? Hmm. No, I thought of some, and I'm like, nah, they don't get mentions. And they, they, those, those shout are the out, main two. shout out to Bailey Zappi. Shout out to mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi. I like Bailey Zappi. Great, we, yes. Did a great job. Saw him play live. Fantastic. That's who I'm shouting out. Only Patriots quarterbacks. (laughs) I've been on the the Zappy train for a while as well. I Uh, I he's gonna be he's gonna be with us for a while and I'm happy with that. I'm happy with Zappy. I was on his on the train there with uh, went back when he was at Houston Baptist in the in the fall of twenty twenty. Um you know, whether it's whether it's him or whether it's Mac Jones or, you know, someone else at the helm of the Patriots this next season, they'll have a couple more weapons at their disposal with Juju Smith-Schuster and Mike Gesicki. And uh, maybe maybe things will get better for the Patriots in 2023. Oh, I'm sure they will. Once we get Zay Flowers, it's over. <laughs> Please get okay. Zay Flowers. And now let's jump into quarterbacks who fill the middle portion of my ratings. Uh, coming in at, at 22 after the revision stance that I did would have been 21 if I had had them right. Or would have been 21 if I had... Anyway, it's it's... Uh, former New Orleans Saints starting quarterback Andy Dalton. Oh wow! Yeah, who in 2022 put up 2,871 passing yards on a 66.7 completion percentage, uh, 18 touchdown passes, nine interceptions for a 7.5 adjusted yards per pass attempt. Um, you know, for years. When Andy Dalton was with the Bengals, he was really considered the baseline for acceptable quarterback play. You know, they called it the Dalton line. And if you were not performing up to that standard, you were a bad quarterback. And I think, I, I'd, I'd say that's about 
a pretty reasonable thing to say for 2022 as well. Um, he did fine, but he wasn't. He did not elevate the Saints in a way that, you know, they only they only needed to win a couple more games to make the playoffs in that division. Um, and Andy Dalton has just been on this weird trajectory for a while. After he left the Bengals, he's had stops with the Cowboys, the Bears, the Saints, and now he's with the Carolina Panthers. And it seems like on all those stops, he has or will have a good amount of playing time as the starting quarterback, despite being usually not on the roster. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dalton? I I mean, as a person, as a human, Dalton is fantastic. Um, as a player, I he was not someone... I mean, he's like your Trent Dilfers. He's your, like, your Brad Johnsons. Do I think you can win with him? Yes. Do I think he's going to make players better? No. I don't think he's going to do that at all. I actually have Dalton ranked. I have, with the exception of Tom Brady, all of the NFC South in my bottom 10. I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Panthers... Yeah, they're all here. Um, because they were just terrible. That whole division was garbage. And Tom Brady oh, played yeah. great. But uh, Marcus Mariota's at 31, Sam Darnold's at 30, and Andy Dalton's at 29. Yeah. Like, the quarter, like the, I, they weren't great. They, they didn't win any games convincingly. In fact, a lot of the times it was more of a shock when they won than when they lost. And if I'm unsurprised about your team being bad, then you, I don't think you have a top like quarterback. I think, and Andy Dalton's fine. You give Andy Dalton weapons, Andy Dalton's going to be, you know, he's going to do some wonders with it. He's going to make the throws. He is a, he will do what you want him to do. He will not bring anybody up. This like his he is there's I think the reason why the Dalton line existed was because you don't want anybody worse than what Andy Dalton does, and Andy Dalton doesn't do a lot, but he is like your default setting quarterback, you know, and that's not that's not I, I don't I don't feel that's super negative nor do I think that's super positive just like how Andy Dalton plays he is only one of a few. Only one of a few quarterbacks this regular season to beat the NFC champion Eagles, albeit it was one of those games where they didn't have Jalen Hurts. But, uh, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, and if you've been listening to this show, uh, you would know that Tom Brady and we will, so we will be talking about him at some point. At some point. Maybe not, maybe not here today, but at some point. Um, but someone who has me has, has drawn some comparisons to uh, Tom Brady in terms of how his uh, career in the NFL has gotten off to its start was the San Francisco 49ers starting quarterback for the latter half of this season. Now be number 20 on this list, Brock Purdy which I am going to guess that you have Purdy 
Wait a bit higher than this, Kyle. Wait, were we at 22? We So we jumped from 22 to 20 because I because the current 21 on my list mm-hmm. we talked about in the last episode. Gotcha. Because when I, when I made my corrections, Marcus Mariota jumped up. Okay. Uh, well, ironically, you said you switched Kenny Pickett and Taylor Heineke. I had Pickett at 22, Heineke at 21. Um, at 20, uh, I have Brock Purdy within three of there. I have him higher. Um, my 20 is Lamar Jackson, and that's mainly because he was hurt. Um, and it, it, we will get to yeah. we will get to Lamar Jackson later here today. But yeah. let's talk about Brock Purdy. Purdy to me I, is a fantastic story. I I love a good story of like he was the last in the pick and now he's balling out. He's doing so great, and I I it's it's candy. It's it's great, and you know a lot of that I think you can chalk up to the system and the weapons, which is why he can't in my mind, crack the, like, the top, even the top 15. I have him at 17. Um, and the reason is, I, you know, I look at who was be- who's behind him, right? From everybody from, you know, 21 to 32 makes sense. So then we get into who's behind him. Lamar Jackson, hurt. Mac Jones, poor OC, didn't really get to show his strengths. Ryan Tannehill, major down year. So... Brock Purdy didn't need to be great, but he, 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 I think in the system he was in, he was always going to succeed. I think he actually did a little extra on top of that. I think he, he, there were some plays where he had a little sizzle to his stake rather than just, that's why I can't say, you know, he's definitely above the Dalton line, but he's not Dalton. He's not right. at the line. He's more than Dalton. He is. Mm-hmm. I think he still has way more to show us. I think he still has way more to prove. I don't I think he's going to fight for that starting position and I think it's going to be a fight. Um I think he was way I think he was really good. Was he great? No, but he was good enough to get into the rookie of the year conversation on only like 6 games. He got him all the way to the NFC Championship, which as a rookie, let alone Mr. Irrelevant is it's barely been heard of. of. Yeah. So I want to give him his flowers. I want to be like, no, yeah, dude, you played way better than anyone thought you would way better than anyone. Even I think the Niners who drafted him last, like thought he would play. So to rise above expectations and to carry a team all the way to the championship is to the NFC championship. That's impressive to me. That to me is is definitely top twenty and not twenty. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the things that I decide to tally up, but doesn't actually go into my quarterback ratings per se, is an approximation of plays per game. So uh, in that, I'm looking at the number of uh, combined pass attempts and rush attempts that each quarterback has on a per game basis. Um, and Brock Purdy, even if I filter out a couple games from before he became the starter that they uh, put him in for, uh, and so that, that increases his plays per game, it's still uh, only 25.4 plays per game in the eight games. I believe I only tallied up the eight that he started and finished, so that would not include the NFC Championship. Um, just about 
everyone above him has at least 30, if not at least 35 plays per game. And so I think that that's part of what helps his, some of his efficiency numbers is by having a lot of other players around him to, you know, run the ball or make other plays. Um, but I think in general, the Niners did the right thing in getting Purdy into the system on the field during actual games, albeit sometimes garbage time, uh, especially once Trey Lance went down. Uh, once, once Trey Lance was hurt after a couple of games and Jimmy Garoppolo became the starter, uh, they did the right thing in getting Brock Purdy in pretty often uh, to make, you know, to, to do some play uh, in the event that, you know, as, as it turned out to actually happen in, in the event that Jimmy Garoppolo would get hurt and Brock Purdy would need to be their guy. Coaching matters um, so much. Oh yeah. Um, so one of the things that, that ends up hurting Purdy in my uh, ratings is not simply that he, I mean, there's a couple things. One of them is uh, the number of games he played. He only played in 12 games, but in most of those, as I said, he was coming in late in the game uh, and uh, not having much time to work. And so that brought down his uh, yards per game measure. He only had, if if you count all 12 games and you look at that on average, he only had 165 yards per game to his name. And that that's, uh, not a great metric, I don't think. Um, it usually helps me filter out some guys who do really well in limited time. Um, but I, I think on the whole, I'd say maybe Purdy's in about the right place. We'll see where he goes from here. I hope it's so. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, it can get higher. You know, he's on a recovery from that elbow injury that he suffered in the NFC championship. Yep. Uh, he's going to be, you know, he, he, if he's, if he's on the right timetable, if he's on the timetable that they've given him from the surgery he just had, he will be getting back right around the start of the season. Um, it seems like Trey Lance should be ready to go. And they brought in Sam Darnold to be kind of the safety net guy. Yeah. Uh, to be kind of the game manager that I mentioned. He, uh, did just fine as for the Carolina Panthers in the latter half of their season. I think with the um, weapons that San Fran has too, he'll be a fine game manager over there. I don't see. Oh yeah. He's got a lot to work with. I, I think Sam Darnold in that situation will put up numbers that Are maybe not... don't look like game yeah. manager numbers, but will still just be uh game manager with good weapons kind of numbers. He's going to be putting up some very non-Sam Darnold numbers. Also, um, shout out to me for calling that on this very podcast when we were talking about, you know, what do the Niners do with their quarterback situation right after they lost the NFC Championship. I was like, hey, why not bring Darnold back to his home state of California? Give him a chance to be, I think, the role that he's filling, which is kind of the safety net in case both of Lance and Purdy are not ready to go or ready to be the guy they need them to be when the season starts. Um, Big brain gets it right again. Next, we have a quarterback who 
some people are saying he turned out not to be the guy for the team that he was just on, the team that just let him go. Uh, but oh. I don't think he was the big problem there. And this would be former Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, who has now moved on to the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Um, Derek Carr coming in at 19 with 3,522 passing yards, 24 touchdown passes, 14 interceptions on a 60% completion, 6.7 adjusted yards per attempt. Um, on the one hand, it is disappointing that uh, Derek Carr couldn't do as much as we were expecting him to do with uh, Devontae Adams and all the other weapons that he had around him on his offense. Um, he didn't do great, but the problem for, for, the, for the Raiders and Carr this past year was the same problem that has plagued them throughout the entirety of Carr's tenure, which was their defense. They just could not seem, for the most part, to put up a good enough defense to put up their end of the bargain for uh, Derek Carr to be able to do his job and have a a whole team. Um, what do you think? I have Carr rated a bit higher than you, but it's yeah. good. I think that we're, we're going to find a theme that around the middle part, I think we're going to just be in the right similar boats but not like exact mm-hmm. um and you're right you're you're 100 right car in my eyes wasn't the issue um i think they get, the main reason they got rid of car was because of contract money and stuff mm-hmm. um they feel like they could supplement car's skills with someone that would cost them much less mm-hmm. um i think car is better than jimmy garoppolo i think honestly they should have kept car um I think Carr is great. I think Carr is not just a game manager. I think Carr has some legit talents. And I think, you know, offensively, they had a lot going for him. Josh Jacobs finally had that big breakout. You have Devontae Adams. I think, um, oh, God, who was the other guy? Uh, Hunter Renfro kind of had a down year. Oh, yeah. And I think that kind of contributed. As did Darren Waller, who was hurt for a lot of this year. Darren Waller was hurt. And so you leaned heavily on Josh Jacobs, and uh, they ha- and now I I have to say this because it's it, it as much as it kills me, it is important that it is said they have Jacoby Myers. I love Jacoby Myers. Um, had they had Jacoby Myers with Carr, I think they would have been more than fine. Um, mm-hmm. like I think like it. It's funny to me because it's almost as if the Raiders and the Patriots are mirroring, um, but not exactly. It, the Patriots struggle offensively because we don't really we didn't have a coordinator offensively. We had a head coach who was all defense, and we stacked our defense. And our defense was great. Our offense we couldn't figure out. Look at the Raiders; their offense was actually really good. You know, their passing game was weak, but that's injuries, so you can't really blame anybody on mm-hmm. that. But their defense was garbage. Like, and I say that knowing damn well that we lost to the Raiders because of the last play. But I I do think Derek Carr is way better than a lot of people give him credit for. 
And I think what he he needs to do, and I think he can do on the Saints, is show them like that he's not just a game manager, that he can make the big throws, that he can make the smart decisions. I'm not expecting him to run at all. I'm also not expecting him to lose the starting job to Jameis Winston. Um, but I think he played really well, like for last year goes. I, 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 I yeah. I think he's in a good position to so that he can do pretty well with uh, much less at his disposal in the Saints' offense, at least as it stands right now. Um, and I, I think part of what has him low on my ranking in the same way that a couple other quarterbacks suffered is just that he didn't finish the season out. Um, he only played 15 games, and part of that was – or or all of it in terms of not playing those last two games was just stepping away from the team, stepping away from, uh, it seems a, a relationship that has soured over time. Um, he just had to get away and I'm happy for him on that front. Um, now Derek Carr was the first AFC West quarterback that we touched on from 2022. And as you said, you have him, higher than I have him and I'm I know you have him higher than the quarterback that I'm about to talk about at number 18 on another uh, AFC West quarterback the Denver Broncos Russell Wilson my goodness uh, Russell Wilson was not it this year for the Broncos uh, despite the 3,524 passing yards on a 60.5 Completion percentage, 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Um, yeah, the offense just wasn't there for the Broncos this year. I mean, I have um, I have Wilson ranked 10 whole spots lower than you do. I I um, And my opinion has always been, I don't think it was Nathaniel Hackett alone. I think it was both. I think, right. I think it was Russ really thinking he was all that and a bag of chips, and Russ got humbled hard, and I think it was Nathaniel Hackett calling some of the worst plays you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. I think it was just an absolute just garbage storm of mm -hmm. a quarterback who think he's better than that, – that thought he was way better than he was and a coach who did not know how to do strategic offensive play calling. Um, I mean, 11 interceptions for – uh, 483 passes thrown is not a bad ratio. Um, so it wasn't, you know, that wasn't the issue in the same way that uh, Paxton Lynch is rather high in my current XFL quarterback rankings, uh, mostly because he's not throwing interceptions, but he's also not getting into the next year and not putting up the next thing they need, which is actually scoring. Um I think that that problem also applies for Russell Wilson. You'd expect much more than 16 touchdowns if you're hitting almost 500 attempts. Um, I think there's room for things to improve. Uh, obviously, they brought in uh, Sean Payton to be their new head coach, and he's putting up uh, stuff around uh, Russell. Uh, um, although it's it's interesting that they brought in a quarterbacks coach who was just with the Giants as a player this past year and is like five years younger than Russell Wilson. I'm not sure where they think that's going to go. Um, they also just brought in Jarrett Stidham to be uh, the new backup. 
Stiddy. So, yeah, I mean, one, once that happened, I figured that the Raiders were getting Garoppolo, honestly. Um, because it, it does kind of seem like Josh McDaniels wants his guys over in Vegas. Um, they seem to be getting a lot of former Patriots over there. Um, and the next, pa- the, the, the next quarterback on my list is, I believe, also a former Patriot. Uh, at number 17, the starting quarterback from the Cleveland Browns for most of this past season, Jacoby Brissett. You know what? I I love that. Only because I'm a big... I have Brissett at 23, but, like, you putting him at 17? Hell yeah. Love that. Um, He he did just fine for uh, a Browns team that I, that you know, was, was counting on ha- having Deshaun Watson for a lot more of the season than they had him for. And once Watson hit the field, he just did not live up to the contract that they gave him. And you could chalk maybe part of that up to the fact that he wasn't uh, practicing with the team and getting into a rhythm. But uh, still, you'd think if they put in Brissett at, at some point, you know, you're still that that contract you gave Watson is a sunk cost at that point. Why not uh, give Brissett a little bit more of a chance and give your whole team a bit more of a chance? Uh, Brissett with uh, 2,000. 608 passing yards in 16 games on a 64% completion, 12 touchdowns, and 16 or six interceptions. Um, yeah, he he did just fine. He's headed over to the Washington Commanders now, where he will uh, likely start some games for them, I think, and maybe oh, yeah. mentor Sam Howell, and maybe they'll get. Uh, I, I don't think they're in the market for a guy on day one of the draft, but uh, maybe some of those guys going on day two or day three. Cunningham, uh, perhaps? Cunningham, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Cunningham, I, I, I think I have Tanner McKee projected there, but we'll see. Ooh. So I'll, I'll quickly say 18, I had Ryan Tannehill. 17, I had Brock Purdy. We're on 17 mm-hmm. now. Here's what I'll say about Brissett. Um, and I knew this from New England because, you know, New Englanders just know these things. Um, he wasn't a traditional Belichick quarterback. And that's why I don't think he lasted. He's he's far too good with his feet. Um, he like he likes to throw on the run. He's better outside of the pocket, but he can make great in pocket throws. I think he he ran that. Cleveland offense better than Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think him, I would put him in a category not like similar to how Dalton's got his own category. I would put him in a Teddy Bridgewater. There's a Teddy Bridgewater line. I, and if it doesn't exist, I'm making it now. The difference right. between the Dalton line and the Bridgewater line is the Dalton line is for your stationary, I'm not running quarterbacks. The Bridgewater line is for your more, I can run if I need to, quarterbacks. Or I can run, I'm pretty good at it. You know, and I think Bridgewater is the basis for that line. And I think, you know, if it wasn't Bridgewater, it'd be Brissett. You bring a Brissett and a Bridgewater onto a team that has a more mobile offense, and they can run it really well. I don't think he's a bad quarterback at all. Uh, I think he is, I don't know... 
I don't know how much of a starter he is, is my big thing. Is he is a fantastic number two, the same way Heineke is a fantastic number two. And I think if he were to be a number one, you need someone to go all in on him. And I think you need to build weapons around him. Um, and I think that's how he succeeds as a number one is it's not just him. You give him tools. But by himself, fine quarterback. Above both the Dalton and Bridgewater line. I definitely do a lot crappier for a number two. Mm, yeah. I'm sorry. No, I'm you're good. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> but um, It's a Browns that. joke, so it works. Hey, there you go. Uh, it's funny, though, that you should mention uh, prototypical Bill Belichick quarterbacks because at number 16, we have come to that point in this countdown. We have uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. Wow. Coming in at 16. In 18 games, he put up 5,045 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, uh, on a, so a uh, 65.7 completion percentage. Do you know how many passes Tom Brady attempted in those 18 games? How many? 799. Uh, which I, I believe the only person who's ever put up more in a regular season plus postseason combined is Tom Brady in 2021. I believe he passed 800 uh, in that season and came exceptionally close to getting to the same place this year. Um. And I, I think the the big a big reason for why Tom Brady has such a high volume of passing yards and passing attempts is just the Bucks did not have a run game this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there are a few reasons for that, but uh, Tom Brady kind of shouldered the load there and got the Bucks to an eight and nine record and a, a playoff berth and not much else. Um, and I think he's, I think he's stepping away from the game for real this time. Yeah. And it seems like an appropriate point. I think I'm still not convinced that he intended to retire after the 2021 season. I'm still thinking it's possible that, uh, Adam Schefter, when he tweeted that breaking news, he did it prematurely and that Brady might've just been doing him a favor by retiring for a month. Um, making it not look so bad when it wasn't totally true. Um, but I, I think it's fine for him to be going out. I don't think having a down year at the very end really hurts his legacy that much at all. Um, he still did so much, so much more than most people do in their careers that I think it's fine. I'm... I'm a bit gobsmacked. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm a bit, I'm a bit kerfuffled. I'm a bit taken aback. Uh I, as so at at sixteen, I have Geno Smith. Um, I have Tom Brady at seven. So Tom Brady lasts their last season. Four thousand six hundred ninety-five, ninety-four yards, twenty-five touchdowns, only nine interceptions, seven hundred thirty-three passing attempts, like a completion percentage of sixty-six point eight, which floats around his career average. It's actually better than his career average. 
I don't think he had a I don't think he had a down year. I think he was on a team that was actively falling apart. He like that his last season is number six in his career in terms of yards. It's very low in terms of touchdowns. In completion percentage, it's fourth. Literally, it was his worst year in terms of quarterback record. It was his absolute worst year as in terms of like a record. But I don't think he was he himself specifically. I don't think he was actually as bad as people rag on him for. Um, I think I think he absolutely should get a bit more credit because uh, uh, he was still keeping them in games. He they leaned on him. That was I think a rare Tom Brady where we saw. Like the Patriots did lean on him in moments. That was the first time I think we saw a team lean on Tom Brady for an entire season. I like that whole time it was Brady and the defense. That's when I really felt like that's Brady by himself out there. Um, Because I think Mike Evans was a bit in and out. I don't, I think Chris Godwin was still hurt. And then I couldn't tell you, like, I think they had Cameron great, great. As a tight end, Gronk yeah. was gone. The running backs were garbage. Um, like it was, it was Brady elevating people to the best of his ability at his age to win football games, and they made the playoffs. So it worked, but I think he recognized the fact that the team he was on wasn't getting better, and it, he already has enough. He doesn't need. He's like the only thing. And I've thought about this for Brady, about Brady for years, is the only thing Brady doesn't have and what might pull him back if the opportunity is right and he would know better than anyone else is he doesn't have that perfect season. That's it. He doesn't have 19-0. and 0. Well, I guess it'd be 20-0 and 0 right now. At this point, yeah. He, and I think, I think that's the thing that he keeps searching for like he got his one Super Bowl without Belichick. That was important. He got the rest with Belichick. So, and even now they still like. It's very clear that they like each other. But the one thing that he won't have, and if he stays retired, he'll never get, is that perfect season. And uh, this is off topic, but on topic. That's why Eli Manning should be in the Hall of Fame. That one reason should be why Eli Manning gets a gold jacket, is he's the one that did it. Him and that Giants team, a lot of them should be in the Hall of Fame because especially that 07 team. Mm. You should, like, shoot. And I say that hating the Giants with every fiber of my soul. Hate the Giants. Terrible. But the fact that you denied one of the greatest players ever twice of a Super Bowl and one time of a perfect record, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get your roses for that one. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you when you lean on a player like the Bucks leaned on Tom Brady this year, yeah, uh, and when he has to do so much of uh, the offense himself, it's gonna it's gonna ding his efficiency, which is one of the big things that my ratings are predicated upon. And so, if you're just looking at the stats and just putting them into my table, then yeah, Tom Brady is going to be a bit low. But when you consider the context of what he had to do for his team and he did he did elevate them uh yeah i i tend to have him at least a little bit higher 
than 16th. Uh, at 15th, however, uh, is a player that you've already mentioned yep. uh, a little bit in this show. Uh, coming in there is uh, former and possibly future Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. We don't know. Uh, we're, we're still uh, still figuring that out. We're still seeing where that will go. Uh, but in in 12 games in 2022, Lamar Jackson had 2,242 passing yards uh, on a 62.3 completion percentage, 17 touchdown passes, seven interceptions. He also had 764 rushing yards, as you'd expect, on 112 carries. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the main thing that has Lamar Jackson low in my ratings uh, is the same thing that I think is keeping him from getting a deal done with whoever might be looking to acquire his services. And that is just, uh, Dude's hurt. He, he's, he, he gets hurt. He doesn't, it's been a while if, if ever that he's played a full season, uh, in the NFL. Um, it seems like he's looking for a guaranteed deal. And I don't think that team's, necessarily have to collude with each other to come to the conclusion that that's a risk. Um, obviously, I can't say, you know, the burden of proof is is on whoever wants to say that they're colluding to bring that forth. Um, but I, I don't think it is strictly necessary for that to be the case. Um, and so I don't think... You know, I, I I think it's hurting him to be asking for a whole bunch of guaranteed money. I think teams, even without the Deshaun Watson situation and him not doing as well as you'd expect someone who got his contract would do, I, I don't think I don't think that even needed to happen for teams to say that it would be a big risk for them to guarantee a whole ton of money to Lamar Jackson. So fun fact, because you brought it up and I had to find out. Uh, Lamar has never played a full 16 games in his career. Uh, he's never played a full season. Um, la his MVP year, he played 15 games out of 17. Mm. Year after that, played 15 games out of 17. And the last two years, played 12 games. He's played, he started 61 games out of 70 he's played in. Um, I have him at... That, yeah. Most of that coming in his rookie season when uh, Joe Flacco was the yeah. entrenched the, starter the, there. Yeah, the seven games in 2018 that he started was after they pulled Flacco. But I, I to me, I think there's a, a, a lot that goes into Lamar, specifically Lamar. Um, and I think Kyler Murray, I would put in a similar but different boat because of shape and size. But Lamar and Kyler, way above the Bridgewater line, obviously. It's more so Jackson. Lamar, way above Murray. I, I do agree with where you have him. I think that 20 to 15 range is perfect because he's not bad. He's never been bad. He's just been hurt. I think his. I think it's a common criticism 
from a lot of analysts of how the mobile quarterback plays in that play style. And I think that play style is more dangerous because you are then putting other parts of your body you typically don't at risk. You're putting a lot of your lower body at risk. You're putting, you know, well, the moment you start moving, that's when the beautiful chaos of football takes hold and you can really get into a lot of trouble. Um, look at RG3. Um, and I think that's another reason why RG3 is a big proprietor of Lamar Jackson is he understands. He's a, he's a big supporter, yeah. Yeah, he's a big, big Lamar fan because he understands Lamar and his play style. And I think where RG3 got hurt uh, irreversibly um, was a factor of them not playing to his strengths. They were trying to make... Mm. It's very famous. Uh, uh, Mike Shanahan didn't want to turn RG3 into something he wasn't, but the the you know Washington wanted to make him Aaron Rodgers, and RG3 is not Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson is in a situation where the Ravens actually did play, but the Ravens as a whole were always constantly injured. And I think, I mean, we saw the report cards. Their training staff is garbage. Mm-hmm. So... Is it Lamar Jackson's fault that he's constantly hurt, or is it Baltimore's fault? Right. Um, Baltimore played to his strengths. Their whole offense was designed around Lamar Jackson. It was designed around his ability to run the ball. It was designed around a lot of options, a lot of running the ball, a lot of quick passes, a lot of play action. Perfect. It was a great, great, great offense of scheme for Lamar Jackson. I think the reason he didn't run was lack of receivers. So you, the reason he kept getting hurt was lack of receivers. So now you're relying on him to run more. His running backs were constantly hurt. So now you're relying. They relied on him to run the ball because everyone else was hurt or not or, or could not keep up. And I think you know, I think someone should take a shot on Lamar, but understand that if you are doing that, you have to let Lamar be Lamar. You cannot cram him into a system that isn't going to work. He needs, and I think also, you know, he's probably going to be back to Baltimore because I think everyone thinks the price is too high. So if he comes back to Baltimore, I and it happens one more time, you know, I think Lamar is going to be done with Baltimore. I think Baltimore is going to be done with hopefully the coaching staff. Yeah, or at least the training staff. At least, the, at least the training. Yes, because I, it's not just Lamar that gets hurt; it's a lot of the team. Yeah, they have to keep signing on more players because they're the starters are down. Yes. So I, I absolutely do agree that that twenty to fifteen range is like prime spot for Lamar. I, I think that's the place he needs to be, and it's not necessarily his fault. Do I think he can make more pocket throws? Do I think he, you know, I think he's a capable quarterback, even if you take away his running ability. But I think his running ability is what bumps him up to elite. And I think if he's not injured and he's got a good training staff and he's healthy, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I don't. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I don't think a lot of people can argue that. We have three more quarterbacks to get to in this episode. Heck yeah. The last of whom will be 
uh, a very mobile quarterback, and I'll be interesting to I'll be interested to hear what you had to say about him. But before we get there, uh, we want to talk about number fourteen on my list. Uh, and that'll be the Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. Oh. Um, in in fourteen games of twenty twenty two, including the playoffs, he had. 3,371 passing yards on a 66.6 completion percentage, uh, 28 touchdowns, seven, 17 interceptions, 6.8 adjusted yards per attempt. Um, this is this is a complicated one, I think. It's one that we've talked about. Uh, we talked about on the last episode of the Info Arcade when I was uh, when I made my guest appearance on there. And uh, you know, with with uh, four people on the screen, it's kind of hard to 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 necessarily get everything you want to say out in a, in a in the right time frame. But if I could have, I w- I would have wanted to talk about Dak Prescott more, mm-hmm. and specifically that I don't think that uh, this season is necessarily indic- indicative of a downturn in his career. Um. And it's mostly because in that very first game of the regular season, he suffered a thumb injury on his throwing hand. And I am somewhat inclined to believe that uh, it didn't, it might not have fully healed by the time he got back on the field. And that could possibly explain some of those 17 interceptions that uh, led the league this year. I believe 15 of them were in the regular season, which would have tied him with Davis Mills for the league high. Um, I'm I'm inclined to believe he can be better next season. Um, it wouldn't hurt the Cowboys to maybe grab someone in the draft just to make sure that they have someone that they can develop in case it turns out that, no, he is on a downturn and that they need to be investing in their future. Uh, they've just signed, re-signed Cooper Rush, and they have Will Greer in the quarterback room there as well. Um, wh- where, where do you think? Where do you have Dak? I don't have t- Dak too far off than you. I only have him two spots higher. Um, hmm. At fourteen, I have Jared Goff because I think Jared Goff had a fantastic season. Um, but we can, I don't know if we talked about him yet. But yeah. oh, okay. Um, Dak, yeah, no, I think. He's like right. He's kissing right below the top ten, and I, in part, think you're correct. Injuries, but I also think Dallas has a problem. It's an old problem. Um, some would define it as crusty. Um, some would define it as power hungry. Um, know it all, maybe even. Uh, and it's Jerry Jones. And I, being the child of a page of a Cowboys fan. And, you know, watching and learning the, the Cowboys as a team. How is it not Jerry Jones's fault? How is that mentality of, I don't need a good coach. I just need good players. Great. You do need, you do need a coach. You do need coordinators. Just because Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson's team doesn't mean that you can win a Super Bowl with just the best people available. I don't know if Mike McCarthy is it. You know, I didn't. I didn't like a lot of the play calling. I didn't like uh, a lot 
that they were doing offensively. They couldn't decide between Zeke and Pollard, and I think that hurt them. Um, getting rid of Cooper was probably a bad idea. Uh, I, and, like, again, you're putting a lot on Prescott, who just had a thumb injury, and now, you know, we don't want Prescott to pull a Mayfield and try and play through it. Like, I think the, the easy solution is to blame Prescott. I think what a lot of fans need to do is kind of look at the overall picture and go, oh, no, we're just owned by a dude that doesn't that that thinks that they know what they're doing when, in fact, they're just being this old, crazy dude. Like, I don't yeah. I don't have faith in Jerry Jones, um, and I have no problem saying that because if Jerry Jones is listening to this podcast and he hears that and he's upset, good. Um, why, like, pay us to say more. Yeah. Give us money, Jerry Jones. What are you doing? Um, I'll be the coach. Yeah. I'll show up. I'll go to Dallas. Don't take a pay cut compared to Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Like, come on now. (laughs) We'll give it a shot. Put two stat guys in charge of the Dallas Cowboys. See what we can't do. Um, Wait, are, are you, are you saying that you're not a fan of what turned out to be Ezekiel Elliott's final play as a Cowboy? I'm not, I, I, yeah, I mean, I was never a big Zeke guy. I was always a big Pollard guy. Pollard, Pollard had it and like clearly had it and Zeke was inconsistent. And I think part of that's on Zeke and part of that is also, again, on the coaches, um, not putting the players in positions to succeed, which is, a, I think, a big part of it. Um, interesting. We are getting into the final two quarterbacks uh, of this episode, our top 13. Uh, after I eliminated Tom Brady from the running, uh, that eliminated the entire NFC South from yep. this from this list. No one, no NFC South quarterbacks are left. We have the other seven divisions all have at least one quarterback left. In fact, one division uh, it has all four quarterbacks remaining up until now. Uh, coming in at number 13 is the lowest quarterback from the NFC North. Ooh. Uh, do you, you want to guess who this is? I think I have all the NFC North in like that is in a similar area. Um I think you might have put, at 13, probably Jared Goff. That would actually be incorrect. If it's, at if number it, 13, yeah, we have uh, someone who, at this time a week ago, seemed like he was getting out of the NFC North, and we still don't have official confirmation of that. We still don't have an official deal done. This would be... Probably former Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. Aaron Rodgers is the lowest of the four NFC North quarterbacks uh, with 3,695 passing yards in 2022 uh, on a 64.6 completion percentage, 26 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions in 17 games. Um, Yeah, I mean, he had an okay season. He wasn't really what they needed to be in order to make the playoffs. They lost to the 
Lions in the final week when a win would have gotten them a playoff spot over the Seahawks. Um, I think, uh, I mean, he's he's moving on to a place that really seems to want him, and he's pinning all the blame on the the stalling out of this move on the Packers, and I, I obviously can't speak to the veracity of that or not. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Aaron Rodgers is still the uh, passer rating record holder for the regular season in the NFL. Um, let me pull that up real quick. No, he actually just got passed by Patrick Mahomes. And I say actually as if that's really that much of a surprise, but uh, one of the things that seemed to be the case up until, I guess, just this past season was a fixation by Aaron Rodgers on his career passer rating and specifically on the the fact that uh, interceptions play possibly a disproportionate role in the calculation of that. And he has been very cognizant of that, and it seems like he gets very safe with his play uh, in situations where his team needs him not to be safe. And that's how you end up with uh, situations where, you know, the Packers have been the one seed in a couple seasons recently and not gone far in the playoffs. Because in situations where it's do or die, uh, he picks the third option of be safe and not throw interceptions when uh, a, a dangerous pass might be the best option to, to win a game. Um, but that, that's speaking more to uh, his career as a whole and not just this past season, which, you know, it was okay. I... Uh, I look at my rankings uh, of the NFC North quarterbacks, uh, and I like them uh, because I think they are fair, and I think they hit along a lot of the points that you do, but in different ways. So obviously, I have Derek, Co- I have uh, Jared Goff at fourteen, I have Justin Fields at thirteen, I have A Rod at eleven, and then I have Kirk Cousins at ten. Uh, and we won't get into Jared, to Goffer Fields yet. We'll get into them when we get to them. But for A-Rod, the reason why I have him as the number two highest is there is a caliber about A-Rod. There is a... A-Rod is a special quarterback. A-Rod was always the dude that you felt like could elevate players. And I still think like he did that. I don't want to say that he didn't, but this was the year where I look at A-Rod and I'm like, he's that he's going down. Uh, he had very much a down year. Um, still not, I don't want to say it was terrible, but from going to two back-to-back MVP seasons to this, it was quite the drop-off, but I think you still have a little bit of that i guess mm, that understanding of he's a good quarterback that had a bad year so overall how bad was he he had he was working with two brand new receivers 
He was working with some old receivers. He was working with a lot of injuries around him. I think Bakhtiari was down. Um, but you're right. Dude plays it way too safe. I He's... I don't know. He's gone on a weird arc as a person, but as a player, he's always kind of... And I... I while you had a gunslinger in Favre, I think you get a bit more like... Not to play into the hippie stereotype, but you get more chill with A-Rod. I think Aaron's going to give you... He'll, can, he can make the big throws, but recently he's been making a lot of more safe, accurate throws. Throws that are going to move the ball and are going to be like really... I, I think he likes his receivers to create separation and do a lot of the route running real well so that he can just throw the ball. I don't think he's trying to do it pinpoint accuracy. I think he's just like, get open, I'll get it to you. Which is fine. And he did a fine job, but I think I think he was both getting used to new weapons and also made poor choices in the game itself. So I, I actually understand a lot why he's at 13. I only have him two spots higher because I think he did a better job than the others. But, no, you're 100% correct about your analysis, I feel. This was by quite a big margin for him, uh, his worst season in terms of yards per completion. Uh, as far as uh, seasons where he's been uh, the full-time starter for a full season. Um, he had a couple seasons at the start of his career that were not indicative of where he was headed. Um, but yeah, you're right. Favre was a, a smoking gunslinger. Uh, Rogers is a smoking something else. Yep. Um, and as I said, we are, uh, closing off the episode with another mobile quarterback. It's someone whose name you just dropped in the process of talking about the NFC North because it is the Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields who in 15 games this year had 2,242 passing yards on a 60.4 completion percentage 17 touchdown passes 11 interceptions and a whopping 1,143 rushing yards on 160 attempts so that puts him at 12th and he is uh, where we will close out this episode. Um, there were there were talks from mostly people who I don't really think know what they're talking about that the Bears would uh, uh, that that the Bears would trade Fields at some point here. Yeah, that he'll be maybe part of the package that would have gotten someone. Uh, the first overall pick, um, which just doesn't make sense to me. Um, oh, it makes zero I, sense. No, he's he is much better than the Bears have been. Uh, he's he's a a bright point in what they have right now, and uh, they traded down a bit with the Carolina Panthers to. Uh, to give up the first overall pick, but they still have 
uh, a high pick. They just got DJ Moore to come over. Yeah, they did. And be a new target for Justin Fields. Um, and I think they have something good there. Oh, and I 100% agree. I'm not totally sure where to put him in terms of uh, in terms of a, a ranking, you know, ranking more notionally like you are because it just seems like how good he was this year is so disconnected from how bad the Bears were. Uh, so you said you had Fields around the same place. Yeah, you have him at 12. I had him at 13. Um, and the only reason I have him that low is he was held back. <laughs> he was. He had to, like, he got nine MVP votes, I believe. Uh, yeah, he he was ranked tenth in MVP voting. Um, he got one vote. Still, he rose above the limitations that he had on that team, and I don't think you can ask more from a quarterback than to absolutely just be like, "All right, we're doing this. We're we're gonna." roll our shoulders back, we're going to, you know, do our best. And I think they did. I think I think Justin Fields absolutely did what he could with what he has. I think now, I honestly, next season, you give him, like, a pretty good running back and maybe, like, a late-round wide receiver or tight end, I think that offense is going to change drastically, like, obviously fix the O-line, but I think it's going to change drastically, and I think Fields is going to step up. Um, he was absolutely held back uh, due to the Bears being in shambles, so being 3-12 and is not a surprise at all, but now I don't... I think next year he could be top 10. Oh, yeah. Especially with DJ Moore... And Darnell Mooney, which opens up Chase Claypool. I know he's a lot, but he can be good. I am even going to throw Equinemius St. Brown's name out there because um, because it's it's a fun name to throw out there. It's it's a great name to throw out there, but he also was not bad. Oh no! Like he, I think when you get all these pieces, they have weapons now, and I think they would want to get one that like they could develop a bit more. Uh, and like have waiting in the ring wings, mm -hmm. but I I truly think he's gonna shine. Um, once they like, it's all about that O line to me. That's really what's hurting him is you got to get that O line fixed. But it's it's always great to have a couple Notre Dame uh, receiver options out there, right right in Chicago. Oh yeah, not just Equinemia St. Brown, but also the Maple Mamba himself, Chase Claypool. The Maple Mamba. I didn't. I didn't make that up. I I know you didn't, and that kind of makes it better. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Um, but that's that's the state of things. And so, uh, on our next episode, uh, Kyle and I will be talking about the last eleven quarterbacks uh, on this ranking. Woo. Uh, and who knows? We we will see where we line up with, you know, how many of 
my top 11 are in his top 11 and where we disagree. I mean, I, I already know that we have a couple that, uh, that I'm interested to see uh, or, or hear the reaction. Um, but I, I do have to, to end this one out on kind of a bittersweet note, mm. which is that uh, our next episode of Freddy Stat Go will be, at least for the foreseeable future, our final episode. Um, it wasn't an easy decision for Kyle and I to come to, but we did come to that decision together. Um, we're both going to be pursuing other things. We're not disappearing. You're not going to... You're not going to just... You're, you're going to see us in other places around the fan-controlled sports and entertainment sphere, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. To some degree, at least. I, I um, it's, it's very much like, you know, we... At least from my perspective, I gotta take a step back. Gotta really kind of get my get myself together, and kind of figure out myself and everything behind the scenes. Um, I'm not stepping away. I talk. I know I talked with some of the FCF people. I'm not stepping away from the FCF. I'll still be here. I know Freddie will still be here. You can still talk to us whenever the heck you wanna. We'll just. Right. I'll just be doing. We'll just be doing a little bit less. Uh, FCTV wise, but we're not gone. And who we'll knows? We'll still be in the Discord. We'll never, still be in the. Never rule out a comeback. Right. You know, uh, maybe this just ends up being, you know, maybe this just ends up being our season one of this show and we take a little bit of a break, just like other shows do. And maybe we'll come back to it. You know, I think we're both leaving that door open. Oh, and, wide uh, open. And I think. If we come back, we'll only come back stronger because we'll have so much to say. Uh, we'll have, you know, quite a bit of time between now and whenever this ends up possibly coming. Um, and yeah, I I definitely admire the ability to say that, you know, you're having fun with this, but other things take some precedence over it. and. Oh. I admire the ability to realize I really need to do something here, and it's not something you can put off. Um, thank you all for listening. I kind of feel the same here. Like, thank you all to the people that have been listening. I, you know, it means a lot. I don't know who's been listening. I don't know your names. I don't know your faces. I don't know a whole lot about you. But if you've been listening to two dudes talking about numbers and sports and stuff. Thank you. And I hope you listen to the next one. And I hope you follow both of us wherever we go and whatever we do. But wherever we go, whatever we do, we'll be here right here waiting for you to listen to that final episode when we get to it. Um, and so I hope you'll join us for the season one finale of Freddy Stat Go next week. Same time, same place, roughly. But until then, I'm Freddy, he's Stat, and we gotta go. This has been a presentation of the Fan Controlled Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. 
If you'd like to create a podcast or live stream show with us, please reach out at content at fcf.io.